morning, everyone. It's your host, Elijah Norris Holiday, bringing you again another episode of the ADOS podcast. Today I have with me Representative Fu Lee, the Assistant Majority Leader in the Minnesota House. Thank you for joining us, Fu. Um, but before we kick off and really dive into our subject today, I want to take 30 seconds uh, just of silence uh, for the young brother who passed away in St. Paul due to gun violence, BJ. I'm not going to do the, the whole government name thing. If you know, you know. Um, but I want to take this moment just to acknowledge that. Okay, so I actually knew BJ. Um, I, I went to high school with him and also saw him numerous times throughout the neighborhood um, as I grew up all over St. Paul. Uh, and if you know me, you know you saw me on the west side, the east side. I was in Frogtown. I was all over the place. Um, and we hooped together uh, a lot over at Jimmy Lyric Original Center. And um, he also went to my high school for a short period of time before he transferred to a different school. Um, so I just want to send out my condolences to the family, um, his, his, his children that he left behind, um, and just really acknowledge that. It's, it's really sad that we, we live in a time right now where we're dying at the hands of the police um, and also COVID-19 and also the, the, the senseless violence that's happening in our community. Um, so I, I really pray for my city of St. Paul and in Minneapolis. I'm sure we'll get into a conversation, Representative Fu Lee being uh, the representative over in North Minneapolis. I'm sure you've seen your fair share of violence over there. And maybe you can speak to that a little bit as well um, once we kind of kick off this conversation. So um, now I'm going to have uh, you do it a, a quick introduction mm -hmm. to our folks who don't know you. Uh, tell us who you are. Thank you, Elijah, for uh, having me on this podcast. Uh, I'm State Representative Fu Lee. I represent uh, District 59A, which is in North Minneapolis. I'm a lifelong resident there, uh, grew, I was born in a refugee camp in Thailand, and we came to the United States when I was less than a year old, uh, grew on the north side, and uh, graduated from you know, our public school uh, system there, and I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about the education system that we have in Minneapolis, too, and so I just wanted to leave it at that, and uh, we could just start the conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so what started your passion for politics, Fu? So for me, growing up, I really uh, did not want to be involved in politics. I always wanted to be in public service, and so uh, my dream job at that time, you know, was to, to you know, really work in government or to work for the people, and and that was started off because you know of my experience as a refugee. Uh, my my dad, you know, we came to the United States. He doesn't have any formal education, but uh, as a kid, I saw you know community members coming to my dad to help mediate situation within the family or within the community. And, you know, seeing that, I, I thought that, you know, I need to give back to the community and being uh, very from a very low income family, you know, being on public assistance. That's the only way that I could give back. And so, you know, I went to school and, you know, college. I went to Carleton College uh, looking at political science or just in government in general. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I started learn, uh, started to learn about our political system, where it's more of who, whoever is involved in, in the process, you know, like going to caucuses. Uh, r running on a party platform and all of that. And uh, my first um, caucus was back in 2012 when I went. And, you know, a lot of the folks there did not represent or did not look like the community that I, I grew up in. And so I thought that, hey, you know, I need to do something. After uh, graduation from college, I came back to uh, North Minneapolis, did some political organizing. And at that time in 2013, there was 35 candidates running to be uh, mayor of the city of Minneapolis. And when I was out there organizing for one of the candidates for city council, 
I did not see any of our mayor, mayoral candidates out there to, uh, you know, be, be in discussion or engagement with our community. And so that's why I thought that uh, politics is the way it is because, you know, candidates are not out there engaging with community members. And so it was my goal to, you know, just turn out as much people as, as I can yeah. so that, you know, we could get turnout on the north side and actually get some representation. And so uh, that's just the short of how I got to where I'm at, you know, really wanting to just uh, have my neighbors be out there, you know, to use their voice to vote and to uh, to be engaged in uh, discussions and whatever happens to, you know, our lives over at the city level and now for me at the state level. Absolutely. Uh, I don't think anyone that's in politics intended to go into politics. Uh, they just stumbled <laughs> and found their way in there. Um, certainly that's the case for me. So I actually started off as a nursing major and okay. uh, junior year, I'm like, oh, I can't do this anymore. I want to go into public service. And yeah, now I found myself actually pursuing a master's degree in public administration and heavily politically involved throughout the Twin Cities. So awesome. I, kind of the same, similar experience to you. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do it at first, but I did want to give back. And, you know, I ended up going into politics as a right, way to give back. Right. So that's great. Would you speak to a little bit more about the demographics over in North Minneapolis, specifically 59A, mm -hmm. the district that you represent? So uh, the demographics in uh, North Minneapolis in my district, I think we are probably the most uh, demographically diverse district in the yeah. state of Minnesota, mm -hmm. where I believe 38% uh, is white, 36% is black, uh, about 14% is Asian American, I would say Hmong, uh, which I am, and then about 8 to 10% uh, Latino, Latinx, and then the, uh, the other are just mixed. And so I don't know if the math adds up, but the, the latest that I uh, checked out the demographics, you know, of my district, it's around that. And so uh, I feel like, you know, I you know, have a unique uh, perspective because, you know, our district is so diverse that, you know, you have to represent different communities and really try to you know, do the best that, you know, I can do for our district and for the state of Minnesota. And so uh, having conversation like this and having uh, just getting out there to door knock and talk to neighbors, you know, I, I think that that's really important. And I have been doing that and I will continue to do so. And I uh, really just want to make sure that the policies that we have over at the Capitol really reflect the community that I live in. Absolutely. Actually, I heard you uh, talk a little bit about being visible. Um, I think a lot of candidates and politicians um, can learn a great deal from you about that, right? So I think a lot of the times we come together and we elect these uh public officials mm -hmm. and they go off the you know the state legislature or some of them go off to DC if you know they get or if they get elected for a congressional district or something mm -hmm. like that and we don't really hear from them we don't see them anymore right until it's you know election time and they come back and mm -hmm. say hey I've been doing X Y and Z you haven't seen me though um, but this is what I've been kind of doing mm -hmm. uh, so <laughs> that that's been my biggest struggle like you know once we elect you and get you into that office make sure you're coming back and check in with people mm -hmm. have town hall town hall meetings I know it's difficult right now because of COVID nineteen. Mm -hmm. I mean, but we have Zoom, you know, we have right. Teams, we have Microsoft Teams, we have Facebook Lives. You can go live and give mm -hmm. live updates about things. It's just being visible. I think that's very important. Just don't come around during election time. And I, I hear people, that, you know, say your name all the time. I know that you're visible. I know you're present in your community. Um, so I really do. Uh, if I had a hat, I would take it off to you. <laughs> so <laughs> I appreciate that, too. And, you know, I think for me is that I'm still trying to find more creative ways to be more engaged with my community, too, where, uh, you know, <clears throat> oftentimes as elected officials, our, our time is very finite. And so whatever I could do to be out there in front of community members, whether that's, you know, having my own form of town halls or joining uh, community events, I want to do that. And so that's why I really appreciate this platform that you have and in inviting me here to, to really have this discussion about what's going on. And uh, to your point about your know, elected officials, you know, coming in around uh, election time mm -hmm. and then leaving and not being uh, 
present, you know, that's the same mindset that I had as a kid growing up. That's why I thought that, hey, I don't want to be involved in, you know, electoral politics. I just want to go into, you know, uh, the foreign service, inter- international relations, and, you know, just do the public service and not have to worry about just showing up for votes. But guess what? I'm right. I'm, I'm elected official asking people for votes. And so, you know, <clears throat> I think that's so crucial that we as elected officials, after being elected, be present and in whatever platform that I can do to represent my community, or to be a voice for them and to hear them. Uh, it's really needed. And, you know, some of the issues that we're seeing today, um, you and I acknowledged at the beginning around gun violence. Uh, you know, the other uh, day there was a <clears throat> shooting outside of my house. And I feel like, you know, right now it's more than ever we need to address uh, this issue through, you know, really looking at some of the trauma that's happening in our communities. And it's very unfortunate that, you know, I'm in my fourth year and uh, in, my, in my first three years, every year I have experienced an officer involved deaf in my district. And, you know, that should not be the case for, for anyone. And especially on the north side where, you know, it seems like, you know, that's the new normal for a lot of folks. And, you know, my community is hurting, you know, our neighbors hurting and tr- just trying to figure out what can we do at the state level to pri- for, provide support. And, you know, just, ha- you know, bringing this up, you know, I'm, um, it, it's hard, you know, even though I'm not impacted, but just living around that gun violence. That well, it happened in front of your house. I mean, right, you are right. impacted. I'm sure your kids play out right. in the front yard and, you know, your kids probably go to the schools over in, mm-hmm. in, in Minneapolis. So you mm-hmm. are impacted. Right, right. I mean, yeah, you know, not directly, yeah. but yeah, mm-hmm. just being there, you know, the, the trauma is real yeah. for a lot of neighbors. And when you start having these conversations, you know, it's hard. I still remember um, one conversation that I had when I first ran for office in 2016. I was talking to a uh, uh, a black mother who was uh, on National Night Out, and I went and talked to her, and we started talking about some of the protests, I believe, because of uh, you know the Fernando uh, Castillo case and whatnot. And her, her son, I don't think he was older than eight or nine, he started coming to her, and it was hitting her. He said, "Mom, stop it! You know you should not be having that conversation." And he was literally crying there. And, you know, for me as a candidate at the time, just looking at that, you know, I cannot imagine you know being being in his, his shoes. You know, when you're eight or nine and you. You just don't even want your mom to have that conversation because you think that that's going to uh, have a negative impact on her. You know, maybe yeah, put a target on her back. Right, and so that's you know that's the reality that we are living in, and you know that's unfortunate. And so that's why uh, just want I just want to do you know what I can to help out my neighbor so that we don't have to live in fear for you know uh, our skin color or or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, it, it's real, fool. It, it's real. Uh, so we, you talked a little bit about some of those issues like gun violence. Um, well, that's a perfect segue into the next section of what I want to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the biggest issues facing your specific population of people that you serve. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about also some of the biggest, bigger issues you see on the state level as a state legislature, uh, legislator. And then um, let's talk a little bit more specifically about some of the issues that we've been facing as a result of the murder mm-hmm. of George Floyd. So we're going to break it down in right. three parts like that. Okay. Yep. So, so some of the issues that you know we're seeing and we're, that's you know impacting the north side and the state of Minnesota is this whole uh, education uh, disparity gap that we're seeing and you know we're trying to do our best over at the state to provide resources for our local units of government or you know the the Minneapolis school board so that they could actually you know do the work for our families and I know that we have uh, quite a few candidates running to represent the north side on the school board and 
I'm really uh, excited to see that because, you know, they are actually from the community and they live in, in North Minneapolis and actually, you know, work in our schools. And I think that that's needed because, you know, in order for us to really address this issues in Minneapolis around our education system, we need folks who are on the ground level, you know, who know our, our child, who, who know our parents and who have that connection. And so I uh, really look forward to, you know, having um, engagement with, you know, candidates on all level who are running to represent us. And then, you know, at the state level, you know, trying to see, you know, what can we do to, to close this gap? And uh, for me, you know, one of the big things for me that I'm pushing, and unfortunately we haven't been able to move forward, is having um, ethnic studies in our classroom. Mm. And I don't know about you, Elijah, but for, for me, my first exposure to ethnic studies or of any kind was in college. Yep, same. Yep, college. You know, that's where I learned that we have, you know, uh, African-American studies, you know, we have Asian-American studies. I did not know that that mm. exists. And, you know, for us as a state to really move forward and address this, you know, we need to acknowledge some, you know, the history of all communities in the state of Minnesota and not just, you know, the white perspective or the white narrative of what folks want. You know, and so uh, I've been pushing that. I've been working with some uh, community groups. And so hopefully we could uh, get that to move forward and also uh, supporting efforts to really diversify our uh, teaching force. Right now, I believe only 4% of our teachers are teachers of color in the state of Minnesota. And so... Uh, we need to to do better. Same statistic nationally as well. Four percent right. of all teachers nationally are teachers of color. Right, and yeah. you know we're putting you know I, I can say that we're putting in money right now, but some of these teaching uh, programs are not working mm-hmm. because you know we're I don't know if they're you know attracting enough or retaining folks you know to to stay in this profession. And I think that leads down to the discussion of how do we prioritize and actually make you know the teaching profession something that you know they are professional. So we really need to. Uh, to pay them, you know, for what's the, uh, what they're worth. And actually, you know, like the uh, education support staff too, you know, uh, most of them are coming from our community, especially communities of color. And so we really need to uh, find support for that. And uh, I think that's the education piece. And then for another exa- uh, important issue for, for my community, you know, growing up on the North side is, you know, our environmental health mm. where, um, I'll be honest, you know, when I was first campaigning, I did not believe, uh, I did not not believe, but, you know, uh, the environment was not a big priority for me. But, you know, my first town hall, back to that point, one of my neighbors came by and it was around environmental health. And she said, well, you really need to look at, you know, what the environment is doing to us right now. Because my son, she's, he, he was 10 at that time. You know, he was going through the school system and he's on the, he has, he has a, I believe IE plan, individualized uh, yep. school plan. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so she was ISP. saying, yep, mm-hmm. she was saying that you know, this is costing us a lot of dollars, and if you don't want to address the environment that we're living in, the some of the leads that we're seeing, you know, in our homes, it's going to impact our, our school system, and you know, that leads down to you know, impacting our healthcare system, and you know, criminal justice system, and everything like that. And so, uh, just trying to look at everything holistically, you know, that's why um, one of my main focus over at the Capitol is environmental justice. Because right now, you know, be on the north side, right next to the river, we have some pretty big uh, industrial polluters mm-hmm. or companies like Northern Meadows who are, you know, mm. uh, who who have been found and who have admitted to the courts and lie and say that they have lied and, you know, fixed around some of their pollution numbers. And, and so that's why they have been uh, removed from the north side. And so, just, you know, just holding these big corporations accountable for, you know, what they're doing to to the lives of uh, folks on the on the north side. 
So, so with the environmental justice piece, right, um, I, I'm sure you know this now, but in North Minneapolis, there's a lot of properties over there, rental properties, and even properties that are owned by folks um, where they found lead actually in the soil. Um, to me, that's just ridiculous. And I know it was a huge thing a few years ago. I don't know if they're still having that conversation right now on the city level, but actually going in and doing lead testing on all the properties that were there. I mean, because just imagine a kid outside playing in the dirt and now they're exposed, mm-hmm. exposed to lead. And that slowly starts to degrade their brains. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it impacts their development. Right. So to me, it's just like that's just a no-brainer that we have to figure out how to get resources to go in here and to perform these testing and find out where these large um, concentrations of lead mm-hmm. are and to eradicate it. <laughs> no, it, it is a problem. And, you know, that's my frustration, you know, at the state level too, where we, we have this program where we actually give money to the city of Minneapolis, Hennepin County to do mm-hmm. these, these testing. And, you know, what I'm trying to push our state agencies, the Department of Health to say is that we need to lower the threshold for what is considered, you know, safe for lead. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, even the, uh, the agency have admit that there's no safe level for lead at all. Right. But, you know, when we're pushing them to say, okay, so right now it's uh, five parts per million or, mm-hmm. or whatnot, why don't we just make that zero? But there's pushback on that, you know? And I, I just don't understand. If we have had a report or the study that said that there's no safe level of lead at all, why are, you know, our families, you know, before there's intervention of, you know, getting in to test kids, why are we leaving it at a level of five parts per million and not really addressing that there's no safe, you know, level of lead at all? And so... Uh, I'm still going, you know, continuing to push. Can you know, I can I tell you why? Go, go for it, yeah. Because it's black lives. Right. It's it's Hmong lives. Right. You you can't go to Wyzetta and find the large mm-hmm, concentrations mm-hmm. of lead like like that out in their yards. You, right. You won't in the schools. You won't. Right. Because and, they understand that the minimum mm-hmm. exposure to that is harmful to their children, and they care about their children, and we care about our children mm-hmm. as well. But we don't have the resources that those other communities have to do it themselves. Right. And then to that to that point too, that's why I had a bill uh, last year in 2019 to uh, prioritize how you know Metro Transit you know roll out their buses. You know mm-hmm. I want clean electric buses on the north side first, and then we can roll it out throughout the whole region. And one of my colleagues, you know, actually from Burnsville, he he said that you know a Senate Republican, he said that well wh- why why do you want to give my community the you know the bad buses you know so uh, or the dirty buses? They're they're not necessarily dirty, but we just want the Met Council to prioritize where they send the buses first because we know that there's uh, adverse impact on you know our environmental health on the north side and other parts of, of the city. So that we're not just saying, you know, th- just give it to north side. We, we want to prioritize that to the north side, the east side, St. Paul, you know, west Areas Paul. that use the bus system the most, the exactly. transit system the most. And that we actually have, you know, poor air quality there. And so, you know, just reprioritizing everything. But, you know, I actually got pushback from Republicans saying that why are you giving me the dirty buses for, buses for my for my community, and so those—that's you know some of the fights that we you know we have to to deal with over the capital, and you know it's unfortunate that people are you know to 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 your point exactly you know because of the residents that I serve you know are mostly blacks and you know, uh, communities of color, they don't want to give us resources, and uh, I think that you know is a good segue to you know the Upper Harbor Terminal projects where mm. I'm supporting I'm. Let, let's get right into it. I had right. that. I had that on the list to go. We'll, we'll, we'll loop back mm-hmm. to the other stuff. Let's let's get right into the Upper Harbor Terminal right. project. Then let's let's and go. You know, you know, for me, I really want that project to uh, bring bringing resources to the north side so that we have some amenities. Yeah. And I understand some of the concerns around gentrification and you know pushing, uh, you know, black and brown folks, you know, immigrant community, community members out of our on the north side. Mm-hmm. And and so that's why I really want the city and and you know working with the city to be more intentional on what they have. Yeah. And I'm glad that you know they were able to create the uh, 
the CPC, the community uh, uh, group, but you know they yep. need to do more than that. You community know? planning committee. I think, I, I think so. Yep. Yeah, I forgot the uh, yep. the name. So many and, acronyms out there these right. days. <laughs> and you know, I know that you know you're working with some some of the people uh, over there. You know, Kyle and mm-hmm. we we have some youth who wants to be engaged, and I really appreciate that and want the city to embed that into some of their processes place too, yep. to really incorporate. Uh, the youth voice and, you know, our communities of color into the process because, you know, I, I knew at the very beginning, you know, first when, when I first got elected in 2017, when they came and met with me at the Capitol, you know, that, you know, this is, you know, what we're planning to do around community engagement. I, I told them, at you know, in my office that if you do not have a process that reflect the North side, you know, people are not going to support this, you know, where you're going, you're thinking about having a performance art venue, you're thinking about having housing, hotels, uh, you know, businesses, et cetera. And so what's the dollar amount on this project? Like, I know there's a bonding right. bill. We'll talk about the bonding bill mm-hmm. and, you know, what the state's going to appropriate towards this project. But overall, can you tell the audience a little bit about what's the actual um, so, projected expense or cost for this project? You know, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know the okay. actual number. Yeah. $500 and, you million know, dollar development project. I, you know, I, I think, you know, about that level, you know, at yeah. least from the state perspective, you know, back in 2018, I was able to, uh, Secure fifteen million dollars for the public infrastructure mm-hmm. to set up this, you know, this project. And now um, we're uh, asking the state for twelve point five million dollars for a performance art venue. And this is just one piece of, you know, the actual development that you're t- thinking about too. And so we're, you know, uh, putting in uh, public dollars into this. And so yeah. we really need this to be reflective of the community. Yeah. And I, I believe that. Uh, there's more than my uh, counterparts at the city and the park board level needs to do to actually get people to be engaged in the process. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I, I understand some of the concerns that community members have, but I really want us to get this money because at the end of the day, you know, it's kind of going back to our earlier conversation where I have colleagues over at the Capitol who are fine not giving North Minneapolis any money that they want they to sleep well at night, spend it somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I understand some of the issues that, Folks have brought up, you know, because of COVID-19, the civil unrest after the murder of George Floyd. Mm. And, you know, people are out in some of the homeless uh, encampments that we're seeing in the city of Minneapolis and South Minneapolis are saying, why, why are you, you know, giving $10 million uh, for a project that may not, you know, represent the community or may not go forward? I, I, I say that, you know, this is a jobs piece and, you know, this is investment on the north side where mm. we can actually get young people and, you know, folks from our community to be employed in some of these jobs so that we could address some of the uh, these violence that we're seeing in our community, too. But, you know, at the end of the day, it needs to be reflective of our community. And so that's why I'm so uh, grateful that, you know, yourself, Elijah, Cal, and other community members are, you know, wanting to get involved yeah. in the process. And whatever I could do to, you know, help facilitate that discussion with the city so that uh, we can make it uh, something that the folks on the north side want, I, I want to be able to help with that. I agree with you um, because I understand your role mm-hmm. as, a, as, a, as a House of Representative member in the Minnesota legislature. I understand your role. Mm-hmm. You're just in charge of, of helping try to appropriate as much money as you can to the district that you support. That's mm-hmm. your role. I see you as a, a, I got the analogy yesterday from my, my business advisor. You're basically <laughs> a fisher. Mm-hmm. You go out, you fish, you try to get us the biggest fish possible, and then you just come, you pull up to the shore, you drop the fish off, and then you're gone. 
That's what your role is. Mm-hmm. You're, I need to get this money to my district so we can get this project. We need to create jobs. We need to help support our people. That's what your role is. And you're doing a fantastic job at that. I have to say that. So thank you for that first. But what I don't agree with, and I just I wouldn't be my authentic self if I if I didn't mm-hmm. disagree. All right, I can't agree with you on everything, and that's right. fine. I can I can uh, disagree without being disagreeable. Right. Um, President Barack Obama said that. But um, my my disagreement is. I don't see how this project is going to help the people of North Minneapolis if they're not paying them a, a livable wage first mm-hmm. off and the wage is going to take them above poverty. Right. In my opinion, and this is just my opinion, mm-hmm. this is one person, projects like these, they typically only support and help the developers, mm-hmm. um, the people who own the retail stores there, um, the people who come perform there because they're getting $20,000, $30,000 for a night's performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you guys are relying on people in the community to come spend money there to, to make money for the developers and everyone who's involved in a project, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think a fair process would be to allow people in North Minneapolis or the zip codes that are near this development mm-hmm. project to reap the benefits of having this new development, right? Profit sharing options mm-hmm. for people who live in a community. Um, free tickets for people who live in mm-hmm. the zip code or whatever. Or if you're an artist and you live in, in the zip code, you get to perform for free or mm-hmm. you know, or you get to perform and you don't have to pay anything. We'll pay you to come and perform. I mean, oppor- and those are just a few suggestions. Mm-hmm. Opportunities like that. Instead of just having people come in and make $12.50 an hour or $12.50 uh, mm-hmm. an hour, how about you come in, we train you, we'll get you a job, we'll get you on your feet, but we'll also give you some training so you can go off and create your own business or mm-hmm. eventually allow you to move up to upper management at one of these retail stores or something that we have here. Mm-hmm. I mean, just not this minimum wage job thing and right. we can say oh we're creating jobs what type of jobs are we creating are we really creating opportunities i mean we can create as many jobs as we want but if it's only paying people 13 an hour they're still going to barely be able to afford food and the rent and the rent price is going to go up in that community as a result of this 500 million dollar development project right. so now i was able to get by on 15 an hour now I, I can i can barely pay my rent i probably won't be able to pay my rent so i have to move out to the suburbs i have to move out to blaine or mm-hmm. brooklyn park or brooklyn Center, which we see happening right now in real time, fool. We see this right. happening, and we don't have this five hundred million dollar project happening right now. Mm-hmm. So imagine how those disparities are going to be exacerbated once this project is in place mm-hmm. with the current process that's taking place. Right. That's just my disagreement right there. No, uh, and I, you know, I completely, you know, I, I understand that piece, and so that's why I don't know if you have the chance to look at the language that uh, I have for the bill. I have not yet, but I will. Where, I will. Yeah. It, it was just sent to me last mm-hmm. night. So. Yeah. So just yeah. take a look at that, and so that's why we have some language in there too actually defining that we need some community benefits yep. for for the community and you know to your piece about the uh free tickets we do you know require a free free programming uh for you know the the north side and for adjacent communities to yep. to the venue and so I, I think that you know in the bill that I have you know if you have a chance to take a look at the language we do set up some guardrails for the, for that to ensure that Excellent. we have that. Excellent. And if you know going forward if the city does not do that you know next year we could come back and actually actually uh, Think of some other mechanism to make the city do that. And like I said, you know, in one of our previous conversations, the phone call that we have is that this is not the first time that I'm going to be working with the city to help them push some of their uh, legislative proposal over at the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And we need to have this, you know, working relationship where they need to acknowledge, uh, you know, some of the concerns that, you know, you brought forth that are, con- you know, legit concerns that from my community mm-hmm. and actually work to address that. And if not, then it will be tough for us to, you know, work together uh, going forward, and so uh, I, I think that the city has heard that from me, and they are you know working to accommodate okay. that, and 
you know, as community members, you know, as you're out there organizing our community members, if there are pushback from the city, definitely let me know so that I can have that conversation with them too. Because, you know, those issues that you brought forth are real issues that, you know, I do not want folks on the north side to be displaced. Or, you know, to your point about jobs, you know, working in jobs that are not livable wages, mm-hmm. you know, that should not be the case. You know, if we're, we are putting in, you know, public dollars to do this pro- uh, project or this development, then we need to ensure that folks on the north side are reaping the benefits of everything. And so I uh, do know that, you know, you have a commitment from me to continue working with uh, community members on the north side, whoever is interested in this issue, yeah. you know, to reach out to me so that we could, you know, uh, still move the project forward, but have it be reflective of folks on the north side. Absolutely, and, that, and that's what we all want. I mean, I'm right. in favor of the project as well, and, you mm-hmm. know, and I understand how it goes. Right? If right, the money doesn't come to North Minneapolis, it ain't gonna go. It's gonna go somewhere else. It's mm-hmm. gonna go to South Minneapolis. It's gonna go to another neighborhood. And I think North Minneapolis right now needs it. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they they need the resources. They do need the jobs. They do need these opportunities. Right. But it needs to be done the right way. Right. And I think we, we come to an agreement on that. It mm-hmm. needs to just to be done the right way. Right. Um, so thank you for that, Fu. Um, so there's a, a lot of key races. I know you got to jet out in a few minutes, but before you go, I'm going to leave on a little lighter mm-hmm. note. Um, there's a, a few key races happening right now, especially over in 59B, um, as the current incumbent did not get the endorsement, as you mm-hmm. know. So that's kind of a contested open right. race right now. Um, there's a school board race that you mentioned. Is there any candidates that you're looking at in the school board race or over in 59B right now, they're like, oh, I kind of like their their platform, their ideas. You know, what they have to say, you know, is legit. It's, it's, it's worth exploring some more. Uh, you know, I think with regards to candidates, I, I think that, you know, right now we have very diverse pools. And, mm-hmm. you know, some of the candidates that I uh, referenced to earlier, I think at the school board level, you know, we have our current member, Carrie Joe Felder, and the next one is uh, Sharon Elamine. And, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, both of them will be able to, you know, really advocate for the North side. And I, I'm just glad to see that, uh, you know, we have community members who live on the North side who have seen like this disparity in our community who are fighting for that. And, you know, I could support either one of them if they get, you know, get elected to the seat and really, you know, work with them to address some of the uh, disparities and some some of the concerns that we are seeing at the, at the school district level. And then with regards to... Uh, District 59B, you know, as a system majority leader in the House, mm-hmm. I can't really, you know, uh, endorse or support mm-hmm. any particular candidates. And so that's why I'm staying out of that race. But I'm really excited that, you know, I know that Representative Raymond Dean, who is my colleague right mm-hmm. now, has been serving the North Side, who, who, you know, and has done a great job. And then we have Esther, who is the DFO endorsed candidate, yep. mm-hmm. who, you know, wants to, you know, was able to get folks on the Democratic uh from the democratic you know process you know, to endorse her and so i just look forward to seeing whoever you know wins and uh after the august primary because i think that at the end of the day yep. you know that's the most important that's where our community members you know everybody who lives in a community who wants to voice the yeah uh, their vote or make make it heard you know will actually uh, get the chance to do that and for myself uh back in 2016 when i ran i ran against i don't know if you know this i ran against a 20-year incumbent i, I, did, did, I did not know that yeah i did not get the party's endorsement and i said uh, hey you know Let's take it to the street, you know, get people yeah. to grassroots. Turn out to vote. That, that's what I do, grassroots. Right. And <laughs> so, you know, we were able to get people to come out and vote, and uh, we won by a 10% margin. Wow. And so I, I think that, you know, that's why it's so crucial. Even though we have this process in place, you know, with, we're within the uh, D, DFL process, you know, uh, it's so important that we have our community members to get out there to voice their opinion. And so uh, it's so important for, for the primary races. 
to determine who's going to represent 59B so that we could continue to fight for the north side yeah. over at the state capitol. Absolutely. So from, from my take on that is you're willing to work with um, whoever is going to pretty much be elected in that seat. Um, you want to work with them to continue to provide support to the north side and that you want to form partnerships with those folks um, like you have already been doing since your time of being a state legislator. Definitely, so, yep. So that, that's good, man. Um, that, that, that's amazing. I think there's going to be a lot of great things to come. It's unfortunate that a lot of this stuff is happening at the result of the, mm -hmm. the murder of another um, um, ADOS man, um, but it's happening nonetheless, and hopefully we can really take this momentum and truly create some change. That's my biggest thing. Mm -hmm. I don't want the conversation to stop once we feel like, okay, right. we got enough, because right. we're never going to have enough until the people on the north side, the people in St. Mm -hmm. Paul, Minneapolis, uh, throughout the state feel liberated, um, and, that, mm -hmm. and that's going to take a little long. It's a long fight, but um, for, based off our conversation today, it seems like that, you, that you're ready, you're energized, um, you're passionate, obviously, about what you're doing, mm -hmm. and that you're not going to stop in, until you continue to fight for that liberation for our people. So right. th th thank you for that, Representative Fully. Yeah. Thank you, Elijah. Yeah. And, you know, just to close off, and you know, I just want to say I really appreciate this. And this is just the first of many conversation that we're going to have. And, yep. you know, if there's a, other opportunities to be here, you know, to join other guests, too, do let me know. Okay. And I just want to be there and, you know, be a partner with you and, you know, with other folks in our community to see what can we do to, you know, uh, change and impact the life of folks on the north side, you know, for you in St. Paul and, you know, for the state of Minnesota and actually yeah. our country, too. And so... Uh, do know that, you know, you have myself as a partner over at the Capitol and that, you know, if you want to engage with anybody else, you know, the governor or any other elected officials, do let me know and we can make that happen. Awesome. Thank you for that, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's going to conclude our episode for this week, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I'll see you shortly. <laughs>